0: From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Studios in Des Moines, I'm Mark Magnuson, and welcome to Iowa Ag Matters. In today's show, I will speak with Josh Putman of BASF about the new herbicide Certane. Riley continues his discussion with Channel C pro Andrew Phillips, and Andy and Dustin discuss the mild temperatures, despite the calendar still reading February. It's time now to welcome our hosts, Dustin Huffman and Andy Peterson.
1: Well, it is another beautiful day here in the state of Iowa. Sun is shining, looking at another day in the 50s here across much of the state. Welcome to Iowa Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Hoffman. Andy Peterson joining me as well. And, you know, we got days like this where the snow is melting once again and the sun is shining. It definitely gets the itch going for the farmers, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it certainly does. And uh, (laughs) it's interesting you mentioned that I was just in a conversation the other day with uh, someone who said, it's amazing how many planners have made their way out of their long-term storage, closer to shops anyway, uh, with as nice as the weather's been. And I saw kind of a fun meme from the National Weather Service. I think it was in the Quad Cities, you know, uh, in, in the um, spirit, I guess, of those, you know, missing posters that uh, that they do when somebody's, when, when we're, you know, looking for somebody. Well, they sent one out for Old Man Winter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's, a, he's in the caribbean this year so I'll just you well there. it's
2: it's pretty good i'll we'll, we'll share that uh, or those details as we go throughout the course of iowa ag matters program here today as well markets are back open though after the um, three-day weekend uh, amid news that perhaps uh, south american shipping lanes are blocked and that's provided a bit of a spark in soybeans dig into the details here with uh, joe camp from comstock visiting with dustin hoffman to start us off
1: We're on the phone right now with Joe Camp of Comstock Investments. And Joe, coming back off this three-day weekend now, looking at the grains a little higher to start on the overnight. Uh, What are we seeing heading into this Tuesday?
3: Right, some overnight strength here, in part just getting out of last week, the sell-off having maybe been exhausted temporarily. We know just how short these hedge funds have gotten, uh, holding just near, at least in the last report, probably past that now, a record net short position in the corn market. The technicals all point lower here, but you get also to a level which looks oversold by a lot of measures. And again, as mentioned, getting out of last week, that Ag Outlook Forum, having that out of the way following what was a week before that, a bearish crop report, you've got all of this USDA data pointing to big supplies, maybe the high watermark in terms of uh, supply-side numbers going forward, like we can often see with those big trend line yields or even the acres estimates subject to change quite considerably from here. Uh, But some relief that those numbers are out of the way and that we've got uh, an approach towards the end of this month. We're going to start to think a lot more about the mechanics of These March uh, futures going into delivery soon here on the 29th will be first notice day. Before that, on Friday this week, will be options expiration for the March grain. So, so far, some strength. We'll see if it holds as we go forward here into this short holiday week.
1: And, you know, you mentioned acreage. You know, obviously planting has not gone yet, and so acreage changes could be happening. I mean, do you see with any of those numbers that we could see a large shift in any intentions before we get going?
3: Yeah, what was really interesting about the Ag Outlook Forum acreage projections was what they did was simply go back to where they had first projected them last season. And uh, w- we could see that as an example of just how drastically they can change because uh, corn ended up, uh, you know, 3.5 million, uh, 3.6 uh, million acres higher than it was, soybeans down 3.9 million from that March, uh, or from that February outlook estimate. So it's a moving target here. We know prices and spring weather ultimately are going to dictate some of those shifting uh, decisions from the farmer here coming up. Our next look at the acreage, of course, will be next month. At the end of the month, the March perspective plannings report, eventually all of these numbers fitting into the May crop production numbers. But uh, at least it's something to start to look forward to here as we shift focus from old crop and and thinking more now about the spring ahead
1: and i'll have more from my conversation with joe kem coming up a little later on in the program right now andy peterson's here he's got his three big iowa ag matters
2: number three a top priority in 2024 year-round nationwide access to e15 for growth energy according to ceo emily score during her keynote address to the group's annual meeting
4: this past year we saw some big wins at the state level nebraska followed iowa's lead with a statewide e15 standard ensuring that every retailer in the state will offer the earth kind engine smart fuel choice five states added E-15 tax incentives. E-15 is now legal in Phoenix and Montana. We're continuing to build momentum in the state capitals, but we all know that E-15 will truly take off when the federal government opens access permanently year-round.
2: She says year-round E-15 will save money on fuel costs for drivers. That's a proven fact and of course be beneficial to producers. Number two. A big jump projected in exports of U.S. pork. In fact, so many that uh, USDA expects them by 2028 to exceed exports of broiler chickens for the first time since 1976. Steady growth in U.S. pork production driven by a combination of increasing slaughter weights, rising pigs per litter, and higher inventories is projected to support rapid growth in exports as well as rising incomes around the world. Number one continuing to innovate and become more efficient are our friends at the Iowa Soybean Association with some seeding rate trials shows that maybe we can save a little bit on seed costs and actually get better yields
5: managing for uh, the variables in our in our area you know in southwest Iowa I mean we have a lot of topography change we have a, I mean we can go from you know 85 90 CSR ground down to 40 CSR ground inside you know a township And so, you know, and and even at the farm level, so trying to manage, get down to the details of, you know, every acre and how we're managing for every acre. I mean, this just kind of goes right along with that.
2: Cass County farmer Brian Feger participating in trials in the past, and he says so far they've found that seeding rates are opposite of corn. You put more on the tough ground and less on the good ground. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters.
3: Are you ready to diversify your farm income?
0: Sweetwater Technologies powered by GRIP is offering the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs turnkey owner operated drone business partnerships. Together we can grow and empower agricultural communities through technological solutions. It is our vision to build economic growth for future generations. Apply today to become a business
1: partner and join our journey on the road to 1 million acres at SweetwaterTechnologies.com. Well, coming up, Andy and I are going to go on a search for Old Man Winter and see if we can figure out where he is. Not that we want him back, just want to know where he is. I want to remind you, segment one here of the program is brought to you by Sweetwater Technologies. Join in on the road to one million acres. Find out more by checking out SweetwaterTechnologies.com. We'll have more for you here on Iowa Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, all online at IowaAgNet.com.
2: Beautiful Tuesday here on Iowa Ag Matters, Andy and Dustin on your authentic, official and trusted voice of Iowa agriculture. We're going out in the field since we can this time of year and talk some uh, seed corn and uh, uh, decisions that uh, can be made around uh, the right technology on the right acre here since the warm weather has us, I think, all about a month ahead of ourselves, if not six weeks ahead of ourselves to um, chomping at the bit to get going. On some things, even though there's probably quite a bit of shop work to be done. One thing, the heating bill is going to be a lot less or the wood pile uh, shrinks much less here when Mother Nature cooperates the way that um, the way that she has. wanted to um, give a shout out to uh, Jason Round, Tim Borwald and crew, winners of the uh, 10,200 pound pro stock division at the National Farm Machinery Show. Here this past week, the national championship tractor pull reside or tractor pullers um, in the pro stock class reside in northeastern Iowa. Um, Great uh, producers, great tractor pullers, and bringing that trophy here back to northeast Iowa, Dustin, is always a cool thing. I saw one point two million square feet of exhibit space at uh, Louisville. That show just continues to get bigger.
1: Yeah, that it does, and there is a lot more uh, broadcasters to get down there too. A lot more of our friends are are posting and it's very interesting to see that you know especially when it's so close to Commodity Classic but that's like a whole month long of rollouts for these implement companies it's always fun to catch up with them uh, you know come up with Commodity Classic like we'll be I will be next week in Houston you know seeing the latest in technology seeing the upgrades in technology and seeing more and more um, machinery companies going back to that whole thing of making sure that there is this new technology available to some of the smaller size farmers, you know, so for so long, it seemed like it was getting to be out of reach uh, for those who had smaller operations. But, you know, a lot of them starting to to circle back there and and really bring that technology to those who don't maybe, you know, farm tens of thousands of acres. It's, you know, the ones that are are small farmers, small family farms that just want to be able to benefit from the technology and should be able to benefit from the technology. You know, it's it's accessible in all their seed and all their sprays and everything else. And, and so the implements following suit back once again, you know, uh, that's that's definitely good to see. And and that's a good part of farming because it does take all hands on deck to feed the world, as we've talked about many times. Amy.
2: Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we would share some details here of a little bit of fun. The National Weather Service has had the past couple of days, um, just given the warm temperatures with no change in sight. Uh, they sent out a missing poster for old man winter. Age is unknown, obviously. Eyes, you'll appreciate this, Dustin, icy blue, hair is white and frosty, 6'2", 350 pounds, so old man Winter's obviously a big force, right? Uh, It says that he was last seen in Virginia heading east, hails from the north, moves quickly, and is known to drift about. Usual hangouts include Canada, Siberia, and all parts of Maine. If you encounter him, contact authorities immediately. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems to be he's off his meds this year, but, you know, not a lot of places have been missing him so much. But then again, <laughs> other nature, we've been really wondering about where, where her head has been sometimes. But, you know, nobody minds warmer temperatures when it's the winter time. It's the summertime we've got to watch. But anyway, it's time to get into a featured conversation with Iowa Corn Grow Association president, Jolie Reeson.
2: There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. I have a corn growers association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reason.
6: So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually a negative carbon emitter, and, and I've managed to get to that point by a no-till I use cover crops. I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in, and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture. We just try and do everything that we can to number one keep the soil. On my farm, number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She
2: says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market, and you can learn more at iowacorn.org. Well, seeing a little bit of recovery today market-wise, basis adjusting, of course, as it usually does as well. Are we seeing more or less threes in front of that cash price? Well, that depends on where you are, but Dustin Hoffman has a statewide look coming up here on Iowa Ag Matters. talk some weed control here on Iowa Ag Matters. Andy and Dustin as of course focusing on a strong weed control strategy featuring multiple modes of action is key uh, to make sure we preserve all the tools we have. BASF has some help there with a new corn herbicide called Certane. Mark Magnuson catches up with Josh Putnam to learn more.
0: Mark Magnuson for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm joined today by Josh Putman with BASF. He is a specialist with the Certain platform. And Josh, when we talk about this Certain herbicide, it has now been approved by the EPA. Could you tell us what that process has been like to get to this step?
7: Yeah, so it's been a very long process, to say the least. Um, the original concept was first created back in 2012, so over a decade ago. Um, which started with the initial idea, and through years of testing, uh, we made it all the way to 2016 to eventually come up with a product that gave us flexibility as well as crop safety to provide us season-long uh, control of a lot of our tough-to-control weed species. Yeah, it's, it's been hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands, of bio- biology, chemistry, and field Research type setting experiments that have ultimately got us to this point of getting this product uh, registered.
0: Now, when we talk about Certain, you've already mentioned some of the benefits for this product, but when you were thinking back to that original starting point and the necessity for this herbicide, what was the overall plan and how did it come to fruition?
7: Yeah, so BASF, we currently have both of these products registered in our portfolio, and the objective was to really create a product that is a new use pattern and a new uh, chemistry that can be applied over the top of corn, which is safe and effective at controlling weeds. So we essentially took two existing products, um, so two active ingredients, one being Sathlufenacil, which is Sharpen, and the other one is Pyroxysulfone, which is Zidua SC. Combine those two to give give us residual control of tough to control weeds like palm, ram, water hemp, and giant ragweed. You know, back when we first started this, the uh, currently there are three active ingredients on the market that really, um, basically, accompany like fifty percent of the market. And a lot of those are um, HPPD inhibitors or what we call the Group Twenty Sevens. And so we were really trying to preserve those technologies and come out with this technology that will help us um, basically provide another tool in a grower's toolbox to control these emerging pests.
0: So Josh, why is that early season residual control so important, that post-emergence period? Is it just that fact that that is when those plants are so vulnerable?
7: Yeah, so the one thing to know about weeds is, is once they're out of the ground, they become very difficult to control. We have a lot of resistance issues, but one thing to keep in mind is that the best opportunity to control a weed is at or during emergence. And during that time, they only really have one growing point. And so, Certain was created to attack those weeds um, at its most vulnerable stage early in its life cycle, as opposed to letting it get out of the ground, which a lot of our weed species can grow very quickly, can produce a lot of weed seeds if they um, mature. And so, by Doing this, we're ultimately trying to protect against herbicide resistance and trying to control weeds before they really become unmanageable uh, later in the season.
0: Josh Putman with BASF joining us here today to tell us all about certain. Josh, thanks so much for the time and best of luck with this herbicide product going forward. I know, like you said, there's been a lot of hard work put
1: into it. Yeah, do appreciate the time here today. Thank you. Well, thanks, Mark. Interesting stuff there with certain. Looking forward to hear more about that as we go along. Right now, Andy Peterson's here. He's back with his three big Iowa Ag Matters.
2: Number three. A top priority in 2024. Year-round nationwide access to E15 for growth energy, according to CEO Emily Score during her keynote address to the group's annual meeting.
4: This past year, we saw some big wins at the state level. Nebraska followed Iowa's lead with a statewide E15 standard, ensuring that every retailer in the state will offer the Earthkind engine smart fuel choice. Five states added E-15 tax incentives. E-15 is now legal in Phoenix and Montana. We're continuing to build momentum in the state capitals, but we all know that E-15 will truly take off when the federal government opens access permanently year-round.
2: She says year-round E-15 will save money on fuel costs for drivers. That's a proven fact, and of course, be beneficial to producers. Number two. A big jump projected in exports of U.S. pork. In fact, so many that uh, USDA expects them by 2028 to exceed exports of broiler chickens for the first time since 1976. Steady growth in U.S. pork production driven by a combination of increasing slaughter weights, rising pigs per litter, and higher inventories is projected to support rapid growth in exports as well as rising incomes around the world. Continuing to innovate and become more efficient are our friends at the Iowa Soybean Association with some seeding rate trials, shows that maybe we can save a little bit on seed costs and actually get better yields.
5: Managing for uh, the variables in our, in our area, you know, in Southwest Iowa, I mean, we have a lot of topography change. We have, a, I mean, we can go from, you know, 85, 90 CSR ground down to 40 CSR ground inside, you know, a township. And so, you know, and even at the farm level. So trying to manage, get down to the details of, you know, every acre and how we're managing for every acre. I mean, this just kind of goes right along with that.
2: Cass County farmer, Brian Fager, participating in trials in the past. And he says so far they've found that Seeding rates are opposite of corn. You put more on the tough ground and less on the good ground. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters.
8: Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at IASoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board.
2: Well, news breaking this morning that um, a bulk carrier has uh, grounded in Argentina. Now, um, the latest reports include that uh, the ship, in fact, may have been freed, but uh, the uh, Paraná River, where this uh, ship was... uh, Grounded is still closed as uh, checks are made for safety and that sort of thing. Maybe pushing market just a little bit, uh, but not a long-term disruption, it sounds like, even though some of the news um, and the headlines uh, may have suggested otherwise uh, earlier today and late last night.
1: Yeah, that's going to be some interesting stuff to follow to see how that comes out. But, of course, the markets are going to be watching that information and you and Mark are going to have the full rundown coming up next on Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network's Iowa Ag Matters.
0: This is the midday market update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Joined today by Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing for our midday market discussion. And Brian, what are we seeing taking place in the grains today?
9: Well, a little green. So that's encouraging. We're seeing wheat, uh, which was really hammered last week, coming back nicely today, 13 to 17 higher in in Chicago. Those contracts were brutalized. I'm going to say brutalized. That's my term. So they were beat up pretty hard, 40 to 50 cent range in about a three-day window. So a bit of a comeback there. Uh, you know, it's interesting, and you and I off here were just talking a little bit about the weather and just kind of this warmth and early start to the growing season. It just, you know, there's an air of, uh, or air as in, in, in the atmosphere that, boy, what if we turn back coal and get a cold snap here, something that could be damaging. So I think we have to be a little careful how negative we want to be. Any of these markets right now, they've been beat up so hard. Corn's trying to edge back, maybe penny, penny and a half higher right now. Certainly been on the defensive for multiple, multiple months. New contract low closes at the end of last week and then beans struggling as well. There's not much of a big story to really tell outside of the U.S. No real weather markets in South America today to have you raising your eyebrows. Markets are oversold by some technical indicators, and some technical indicators are giving buy signals.
0: That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news.
2: It's time, Mark, now for in-depth livestock numbers. Let's take a look at cattle first. Daily estimated slaughter total numbers, 120,000 head. uh, That's 3,000 more than a week ago and 1,000 less than a year ago. Boxes, movement is strong here at midday with 76 loads of choice cut selling up 90 cents to 96.20. Select down $1.33, 286.66 on just nine loads of movement. And that spread is uh, widening a little bit to 9.54. On the pork side of things, daily estimated slaughter total numbers coming in at at 482,000 head, 2,000 less than a week ago. And nine thousand more than a year ago, cash markets we wrap up yesterday's numbers for comparison purposes, barrels and gilts, producers sold on a carcass basis, negotiated purchase wise, finished yesterday with thirty four hundred and eighty two head of sales, and the market was essentially flat, two cents lower sixty nine forty three on the weighted average price, formula purchases a big day, two hundred and three thousand head of sales, weighted average price seventy five ninety so that market was up a dollar sixteen. As far as what's happening so far today, just 846 head of negotiated purchases and no comparison available due to confidentiality issues. Of course, formula purchases, only 95,000 head of sales. The market is sharply higher, up uh, $2.27.
5: You might think Iowa just grows corn, but the truth is corn grows Iowa. Hi, I'm Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, and the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Whether you're planting, harvesting, or anywhere in between, as a member of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, you're also actively advocating for our industry. As an ICGA member, you have a voice lobbying on ag issues at the state and federal levels on priorities that impact your farm. Join us today at iowacorn.org join.
0: At midday, March corn up one and a quarter at 4.17 and 3 quarters. March soybeans up 7.5 at 11.79 and 3 quarters. On the Merck, April live cattle down 12 cents at 187.42. March feeder cattle up 60 cents at 251.62. April lean hogs up 60 cents at 85.82. April pork cutout up seven cents at 91.50. And Class 3 milk up 5 cents. At sixteen eighty nine, that was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson.
2: On we go with our market analysis here on Iowa Ag Matters, focusing on livestock. Dustin Hoffman returning now with Joe Camp from Comstock.
1: All right, so moving over to the livestock side of things. We know Friday we saw triple-digit gains in cattle. Uh, Of course, we've got the cattle on feed report coming up, and also hogs had a positive territory. So what are we thinking heading into this holiday-shortened week with livestock?
3: It has been a bullish swing here for livestock, that's cattle and hogs, in part – for what the speculators have contributed to this move. It's been four straight weeks with the managed money crowd having uh, been a net buyer of of hogs, of live cattle, and feeder cattle altogether. And so that pushes the market higher in a way uh, that also still fits with bullish fundamentals, the reasoning for it, tight uh, fed cattle numbers still out there, some optimism about weather and what's ahead this spring, potentially down the road uh rebuilding this herd into a, a more profitable outlook at least for now and you see the recovery as it has been uh down from the december lows up to where we're at now uh, you know nearby live cattle futures up some 22 bucks from that low and now uh, just short of $12 from the all time highs marked uh, out last september so it's been a, quite the recovery we'll see if it starts to uh you know get any push back on the technical side and then mentioned Hogs, with a strong close here last week, we've got good pork values here, maintaining uh, strength for this market overall, uh, up some 10% from a year ago, the pork cutout is. And so there's some optimism out there that demand's pretty strong all around for these meats.
1: All right. And then, of course, how does that look on the export marketplace? I know we're talking about domestic, but how does how, it look for you know other countries wanting our products?
3: Well, hogs are coming off a, a near record year again. Uh, for pork exports. And that's something that uh, as far as the USDA is concerned, they're projecting that to continue up another six or seven percent here in the year ahead for pork exports. So we got really good demand and it does help to avoid uh, stocks from building up domestically. And so when you have strong demand here at home and uh, strong or or almost record strong export demand for pork, uh, that's a, a bullish sign.
1: All right, so folks want to pick the brains of the uh, the team over there at Comstock Investments, get some ideas of where they should be looking at for their marketing plan this year and and, and look at what they could be doing with with the options they have available. How do they get in touch with you?
3: Sure, our website at Comstock.com has got access to our Comstock report and then, of course, all of our contact info.
1: All right, well, Joey, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today. Yeah, we'll talk with you guys next week.
8: Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at IASoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Well, one of
1: those important things that gets going on during the planting season, of course, before everything starts, is getting some of that soil testing done. Checking that pH level, especially, is something you want to be thinking about. And Riley Smith will be continuing his conversation with Andrew Phillips, the channel seed pro. We'll have that coming up next here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Don't forget, you can find our market podcasts online through Google, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and Podbean, and online at iowaagnet.com. We'll be right back on Iowa Ag Matters. As we mentioned, Riley is going to be continuing his conversation with Andrew Phillips, Channel Seed Pro, continuing their talk now today about soil testing and pH levels. Let's listen into what they have to say.
8: So then, considering uh, you know the pH and uh, you know other soil conditions that they need to keep track of. Uh, you know, what can they do to, you know, make sure things are where they need to be? And, you know, if they aren't where they need to be, who can they uh, talk to? And, you know, how can they get in touch specifically on the channel side of things to uh, make sure that everything is where it needs to be?
6: Yeah, so I, I think I think pH is, is number one. Uh, once we kind of identify if we have any any weak spots throughout the field, whether that be high pH or low pH, um, obviously we can look at lime situations for low pH to bring that pH up. Higher pH is tougher higher pH takes time um, it takes air water management meaning maybe we need to tile those low spots so that the soil can breathe um, maybe that is spreading products like gypsum or some other product that allows some permit permeability through the soil so that, um, we can get rainwater to move through it so it doesn't become anaerobic and not being able to breathe. Um, if we do have high pH, high pH normally affects soybeans at a higher level. And so, what I mean by that is high pH causes nutrition tie ups, um, mostly referred to as iron chlorosis deficiency in soybeans. And sometimes when you're driving around the country, you can kind of see that out in fields. Low lying areas have these really yellow beans or, or, um, I call it a flash, flash, um, injury on beans and, uh, it stunts their growth. It stunts their nutrition uptake. Um, and it doesn't allow for canopy so it can cause some weed issues out there. But, um, you know, those are things that it, it's tough to fix. Um, it takes, it takes many years to fix. It's not a one-time thing, but what you can do is you can work with your local channel seed pro and you can try to place, soybean uh, genetics and varieties that are really good against high pH or have a high tolerance to iron chlorosis deficiency so that we can manage some of that negative um, loss on those beans.
8: And then, uh, you know, how are the channel seed pros involved in that product selection? Uh, Once we're looking at that, uh, that part of the process, um, you know, know, speaking on your side of being a channel seed pro, uh, you know, how are you guys involved in that and how do you uh, support those farmers?
5: Yeah, I
6: think I think channel is um, unique as a seed pro. Um, we don't have a legacy brand name to kind of um, help us, you know, work through things. So we have to be. What I'm getting at is we have to be extremely um, good at what we do. We have to take. We have to go the extra mile. We have to know our products better than anyone else. We have to be able to select our products um, at a high level to make sure that we are giving our customers not only the best product, but also um, placing it in the correct area um, every single year. So what's cool about A Channel Seed Pro is that we are directly involved in um, picking and selecting and asking for new genetics and new varieties. And same thing on the corn, corn hybrids. Um, When we have a spot or a weak area um, certain maturity or we're weak on IDC or we're weak on white mold or, or sudden death on beans um, we can kind of go through our technical agronomists. we walk fields together we identify these weaknesses we identify areas we need to become stronger in and we work together to try to um, select the next level of um, products that are coming through the pipeline Um, at Bayer and I think that's really neat that gives us the ability to put boots on the ground and match the needs of our customers um, you know from the ground up.
0: In February we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa Ag News and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, along with a daily YouTube Ag News program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February
2: going to a close here on another outstanding Iowa Ag Matters program. It's always so much fun to visit with you, and uh, it always goes by so quickly. And Dustin, you mentioned uh, a little bit ago you're headed to Commodity Classic next week. That's always exciting as well.
1: Yeah, that it is. Andy, looking forward to that as well. Looking forward to talking with uh, folks from Iowa down there, and also finding out what the latest uh, for the upcoming year is going to be both in policy uh, and outlooks for production, and also what technologies we got to look forward to this year.
2: Yeah, thanks to Dustin, of course. Thanks to Riley for all of his magic and putting this all together. Thanks to Mark. Thanks to you for being here. See you tomorrow on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.